This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by the Female Startup Club, hosted by Dune Rochine and brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. If you're looking for a new podcast, the Female Startup Club shares tips, tactics, and strategies from the world's most successful female founders, entrepreneurs, and women in business to inspire you to take action and get what you want out of your career. One of my favorite episodes, Who Should Be Your First Hire? What's Your Funding Plan? Dr. Lisa Creven shares her top advice from building Spotlight Oral. Listen to the Female Startup Club wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance. My guest today is Steve Miller. Meetings and Conventions Magazines calls him the idea man for his unconventional, edgy, no-spin approach to marketing and branding. He's the author of the Amazon number one bestseller, Uncopyable, How to Create an Unfair Advantage Over Your Competition. He speaks in uh, his speaking and consulting clients have ranged from entrepreneurs to Fortune 100 corporations, including Procter & Gamble, Graystar Real Estate, Caterpillar, Boeing Airplanes, Starbucks, Philips Electronics, and the prestigious TED Conference. Today, we're going to talk about his latest book, Stealing Genius, The Seven Levels of Adaptive Innovation. So, John, thank welcome, you for uh, that when having me on to talk about this. This is great. I, you know, yeah, I, well, I, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure no, this is how authors work, right? But my book went to number one, which was for a brief period of time. <laughs> okay. You and I both right. on top of it again. I heard that I knocked you off the bestseller list for like two or three days, you know, oh. then, then you immediately just jumped right back. <laughs> well, that is good to know. And then listeners won't, won't know this, but this is our Take second two. attempt at this interview because Take we had a technology right. glitch. And so Steve was kind of kind enough to come back. There's I, and, and I, you know, if you were to listen to the other recording, just know that it would not be the exact same thing. I, I suspect because I never know what questions I'm going to ask. And I know Steve has Thank you. no idea. Steve has no say. idea. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I do want to start by unpacking the, just the tie, the words or the, that you use in the title. So in two cases, the first mm -hmm. one, stealing genius, maybe give us a definition of, okay, of that well, going. Okay. Well, this if, to try to unwrap it as quickly as possible, that the genesis of this is that too often businesses doesn't matter what size business you could be a, a single person entrepreneur, you know, or you know, a Fortune five hundred company. Too often they get fall into the trap of paying too much attention to the competition, too much attention to the world within their world, okay? And as, as such, you see an awful lot right. of, dare I say, incestuous behavior among companies. You know, they copy each other. They might try to improve upon right. somebody else's idea, but they kind, that's kind of how they come up with their future plans for, oh, we're, we're going to get better than the competition. We're going to get better than the competition. Well, many years ago, my father, Ralph Miller, and his cohort in crime, Bill Lear of Learjet, they got together and came up with this concept that they they deemed the eight track tape player. Okay, so yes, my dad was part of that world. Now, 
the reason why I bring that up is because while they were planning on building this product, ultimately, after a lot of, of starts and stops and stuff like that in various locations, they ultimately ended up in Japan trying to build this product over there. Now, this is back in the 60s. And when you think of the when you think of made in Japan back in the 60s, for the most part, it was kind of, you know, (laughs) they were known for those little umbrella straw, you know, things that would go into your drinks, you know, would open and close. And they and there was an American consultant who got in with Toyota. And his name was W. Edwards Deming. And Deming was really the precursor uh, or one of the guys that kind of got the total quality thing moving. Well, so so my dad and Bill Lear, knowing they had to build a quality product in Japan, they brought him in to be part of the team. So and then my dad, who now this I don't want to get into a discussion with my dad, but he (laughs) decides that the way to spend quality time with his young teenage son is to drag me along and fly me to go to hang with these guys, right? Oh, that was a blast. And But one of the things I remember was that Deming was very, this guy was really a pound the table kind of a guy, right? When he got really, and, and the thing that he got really big about was benchmarking, okay? Because that's essentially what we're talking about. When we say that we as companies tend to look at our competition, we tend to look within our world, we are benchmarking is what we're doing. Okay. Now Deming called that intrinsic benchmarking where you were benchmarking in your industry, but he maintained that in order to think creatively, that was a mistake. You were not going to come up with new ideas by just studying the competition. You were going to come up with new ideas by going outside your world, outside of your natural uh, environment and go study aliens. And he called it extrinsic benchmarking. And I call a call it stealing right. genius. So, yeah. so that's where, that's the genesis of where it all came from. It all started hell of a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so let's uh, unpack this other term then. So stealing genius really essentially comes down to looking for ideas that you can apply to your business, your industry, in maybe right. unusual places. So then it's a matter of, and, you, and the book really then comes up with these seven levels of how to think about it, of adaptive innovation. So, so yeah, and explain so, the term see, adaptive, adaptive innovation. innovation is really a, it's, it's really the how to do it of stealing genius is that you go out and, you know, like you say, I talk about seven different levels of, of ben- benchmarking, study them and you look for mm-hmm. people organizations, companies who are not part of your world, right? And you go, geez, what are they really good at? Okay. And you look for the genius in those people. And then you ask yourself, okay, is that something I can actually steal? And that's where you're answering the question. Hmm. Is that an innovative idea in my world that I can adapt? All right. Because, you know, I mean, you can go study, you know, companies and people in other industries and they'll have great ideas. But you'll never, you just won't be able to figure out a way to use them. So it has to be an innovative idea that you can adapt back into your industry. So, so to just say, you know, as just a simple example, like if you are in the high tech industry right now, then I would be telling you go out and study 
the food industry. Go out and study, you know, read their industry, go retail, go out and study, you know, some of the in high tech is using it, right? So these restaurants, you know, and ask yourself, is there something out there that we can steal and bring back to high tech? And nobody's uncopyable. Nobody in high tech is approaching anything like that right now. And if you do it right, you can actually create a situation that, you know, from my previous book is, is hard to copy. And now let's hear from a sponsor. Look, you've worked hard to grow your business and finding CRM software you can trust to help grow it even more. It isn't easy. Whether you're starting out or scaling up, HubSpot is here to help your business grow better with a CRM platform that helps put your customers first. And it's trusted by enterprises and entrepreneurs alike with easy to use marketing tools like drag and drop web page editors that require no custom code. Content strategy tools where you can create topic clusters that automatically link supporting content back to your core pillar pages to ensure search engines can easily crawl your site and identify you as an expert on any given topic. HubSpot helps your business work smarter, not harder. Learn how your business can grow better at HubSpot.com. So, so one of the things that I think is probably difficult, I don't think anybody listening so far is like, oh, that's a dumb idea. That, that I mean, I think everybody pretty much agrees with, yeah, that's, we've all sure. seen that in our lives maybe, or in some business innovation where everybody was like, that's brilliant, but they really just brought it from somebody else who was doing it. So how do you advise people? I, I mean, I'm sure the first question a lot of people ask is, well, where do I look? <laughs> You know, how do I get started? Well, you know, and with the lev the seven levels, you know, I try to take it from like the easiest mm -hmm. way to start, you know, do I want to right. innovate and up to the most complicated. And the easiest way to start is, first of all, is ask yourself just a question like, like, okay, what do I want to, what, I'll, I'll use an example of, uh, of, uh, let, you know, a, a trade shows, for example, you know, one of the, one of the biggest issues with trade shows that the, the producers of trade shows, you know, they have to go out and they're finding exhibitors who are spending a lot of money to come in and buy these booths. Miles. Well, one of the biggest challenges for the right. producers build these booths and, and spend that money. And then they have to attract people to come to walk up and down the producers is they want those people to walk every single aisle, right? Because they want them to get in, <laughs> right. to go buy all those people who are spending money. So, if you ask the question, how do we get people to walk the aisles, right? Well, that's, so let's say that's the project. That's, that's the question. So you ask, now the question you ask yourself is, okay, who to, that is not in the trade show world is really good at forcing people walk around. And, and the number one example, the biggest example of all are supermarkets. Okay. It's the food industry, but supermarkets are brilliant. They are genius at forcing you to travel as many aisles as possible before they will let you out. <laughs> okay. You get your cart. That's yeah, right. And, and, and like the, just like the simple question, where is the milk in the supermarket? It's as far away from the front door as it possibly can be. Because everybody's going to, yeah. everybody's got milk on, which means you have to go on their list, right? So, so they're going to make you go as far away as possible. And they're, you know, up and down aisles or around the corner or some st different stuff like that. So that is, and trade shows by default 
historically have always put the milk in the front of the front of the hall. When you go into a big trade show, for the most part, the biggest exhibitors, the ones who are the destination, they're like anchor stores at a mall. Okay. They are making, they let you walk in and boom, you walk right in. Well, smart trade shows that, and I've consulted for a number of really big, you know, the top, put the milk in the back of the hall, top shows in, in, in the country. You know, you finally get them to understand, no, you, you they're the milk. Right? They're still going to get every single person <laughs> into their booth, but but the people have to travel to get to them. So that's, see, that's an example of it's where you start at that kind of le- level one where you define the, find the, define the objective, and then you go out and you ask yourself, who is doing this that is an alien in, in our world? Yeah. So I think that the key to that, as I'm listening to you, is it's not just a matter of going out and saying, oh, that's different. We could do that. It's really, I think, first you have to look inward. You know, what is our industry doing? What does everybody do? What is common practice? And really start then saying, how can we, you know, zig? Let's go yes. look for a zig. That would make Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've all heard, and I use the term map the experience. I mean, you know, the customer journey, I mean, everything like that. But, you know, the, those of us that right, are the right. consult, you know, we have these conversations with our clients and we talk about all these things. And then what I do is as we map the experience of the customer and go through all the touch points that they might have, then what I do is I, I one by one, we go through the touch points. We say, okay, is this something that we can change? You know, or do we have to just keep doing it the same way everybody else is doing it, right? Now, if it's, you know, let's ask ourselves that question. You know, how do we make somebody travel? You know, and that might be the big question. But you do it with every, you know, every opportunity that you have. You look for a way to ask the question, is this something that we can do differently? You know, now, but even when you say, well, you know, you know, we, we could go look at companies and, oh, look what they're doing. Well, that's actually one of the levels. Okay, but it, mm-hmm. before you get to before you get to the point where you just go look at a company and say, "Gee, what are they really good at?" That you know, you kind of want to go through these other levels so you get in your mind and you get yourself thinking in terms of what do they do great that I can steal and use back in my work. So one of the things that I see a, a lot of pushback from companies why they don't innovate is because it's like, will it work? Nobody else in our industry is doing it. You know, it's almost like a fear to try. So what are some of the ways that that somebody can, there's probably two questions, but first know how something, know that something's going to work is not going to be a big risk. It's not going to turn their customers off. Well, know, I think thing. the first thing to ask yourself is, do people buy from you because you're similar to the competition? <laughs> and it, yeah. And, yeah, and if Jump I can in. Jump in. push back more, I would guess a lot of people would say, well, not necessarily because of that, but they have a certain expectation, you know, of how they're going to be treated, say, in I know, industry but life. if their expectation for you is the same as for everybody else, you know, then, then we run into the problem and you and I both know where this ends up. This ends up with, you know, first <laughs> of all, everybody's product is quality. Everybody has high quality products today. Everybody right. says they have the best customer service on the planet. Everybody says that, okay? Right. And if everybody has the best product and, you know, and essentially in most industries, they're, it's, they're commoditizing now. You know, that's the way technology is working. And the right, second right. thing is if everybody says they have the best customer service, well, the customer, no, you know, the customer never buys similarity. 
the customer always finds a difference. And if they can't find it between the product or the service, it comes down to price. And I, I am, I'm saying to people, if you want to compete on price, then I'm not your consultant. <laughs> no question about it. Yeah. Well, there'll always be somebody willing to go out of business. Fast That's right. Chase that to the you. bottom. That's exactly uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you have a couple examples of companies that you think are just routinely good? Oh, well, you know, but the, in, in, of course, yes, they're, they're, they're the obvious answers, right? You know, the Disney's, you know, the, you know, the apples and, and groups like that. I mean, I love to look at companies that are not huge, that are doing things that are just wicked, you know, wicked different. I have a client who they build those, yeah. you know what, like if you go into a auto body shop or something or a car auto shop and the technicians the, 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 who are, and these guys are really good at what they do. Okay. And they own all of their own tools. And they have those tools in a really nice toolbox. And it's usually like this huge toolbox standing up really tall. And, and it's, it's red. red. That's exactly red. right. Yeah. And <laughs> and one of my clients, who is one of the suppliers to that, they, you know, he wanted to, you know, we were fighting over like, okay, how do we separate? How do we separate? You know, and, you know, you try to get them to, oh, you can change color, but really what we're looking at is we're looking at what can we offer people that nobody else is going to offer. And, you know, and he said, you know, they're all expensive. You know, at that level, they're very expensive. So how do you prove value to a customer? Because I always say where value is clear, the decision is easy. And so he came up with this mm -hmm. concept of, of not just a lifetime guarantee, but he came up with a, with a concept of a 55-year guarantee. And what he did with that was by, by taking a specific number like that, instead of saying lifetime, because lifetime is kind of one of those things people banter, you know, bandy about, you know, all, all over the place. He said, for he says, if you call me within 55 years, I will give you a brand new, you know, you know, case, or I'll give you your money back. Okay. And then, and, but then he, you know, in the guarantee also says, but my kid is take, okay, we both know I'm not going to be alive in 55 years. <laughs> right. He said, actually taking a long, taking over the business. And so my kid hmm. will be, you know, taking care of the. So, so what he's doing is he's just essentially, you know, a lifetime guarantee. And he has now spun it into language that people will remember. And that's what we're, that's what we got to be cognizant of is that people do business, you know, with people they like, they know, they trust, and they remember. Okay. And that's the thing that is just for him you know, it has separated from the crowd and man, and you know, and he's killing it. So Steve, tell me, tell people where they can find out more about obviously the book, Stealing Genius or un, even. Well, you know, you can find out about them on Amazon. Um, right? Or find out more <laughs> about your work. You can absolutely do yeah, that. Yeah. But here's what, here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to give a gift to everybody because I love giving out books. And so what I'm going to suggest is go to the website, be uncopyable. Dot, no, I'm sorry. Whoops, back up. I started to say it wrong. No, stealinggenius.com slash duct tape. Okay? And if you go to that site. Awesome. Now, here's what you do. You go buy Stealing Genius on Amazon. I don't care. 
put your, if you buy the Kindle, it doesn't bother me, right? And then you go to that web page and it asks you for your email address and you your email address and, and then I will follow up with you and I will say, okay, now send me your mailing address. I will send you a free paperback copy of my book, Uncopyable, as my gift to you. And yes, I will even sign it because John, you and I both know how much more valuable that makes that book, right? <laughs> don't, you know, don't personalize. Absolutely. Raises the price of my books uh, by 50 cents on eBay when people are selling At them, least. So, yes. But don't raise it because personalization <laughs> actually drops the value of the book. So. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, no longer available. Well, Steve, thanks again for uh, taking the time to stop by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, and hopefully we will run into you again soon. When Hope so. Can't wait to see your next book either. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. Hey, and one final thing before you go. You know how I talk about marketing strategy, strategy before tactics. Well, sometimes it can be hard to understand where you stand in that, what needs to be done with regard to creating a marketing strategy. So we created a free tool for you. It's called the Marketing strategy assessment. You can find it at marketingassessment.co, not .com, .co. Check out our free marketing assessment and learn where you are with your strategy today. That's just marketingassessment.co. I'd love to chat with you about the results that you get.